it's an honor and a privilege today to be able to have one of our missionaries that we uh, support financially, prayerfully, um, and uh, here with us today. Uh, his wife isn't here because she, uh, they have a team there in Ecuador that just came in and she had to leave a couple of days ago. Um, we got to know the Pates through their son. Look, always keep this in mind. God brings people into our lives for a reason and a purpose. And, you know, I don't, I'm sure God would have worked it out one way or the other, but I don't know if we'd ever connected with the Pates if it wouldn't have been for that. Their son, who used to be a member here, who is now a youth pastor up in uh, Virginia. Uh, y'all remember Josh? Uh, used to play the saxophone, used to fill in for us uh, in music from time to time. A tremendous uh, man of God. And um, through him, we got to know his parents. Uh, and his mom and dad, you know, were, were just living the American dream. But they were uh, taking mission trips to Ecuador, and God put it on their heart to, uh, to surrender to full-time to be full-time missionaries and I'll I'll let him tell whatever part of that story he wants to tell and uh, and God brought them to Ecuador and set them up there and they're doing an amazing work with the children of Ecuador in uh, part of the Andes mountains and so um, he doesn't get to come here but about every two to three years and the purpose behind that is there a lot of a lot of churches were talking last night Uh, boy he has very few Sunday mornings he's booking a couple of years out in advance now and uh, so he gets to go to some new churches, and we encourage him to do that. But when we get a chance to have him back, we are super grateful to have him back. And so, Brother Gary Pate from Pate Ministries, come on up here, brother. It's all yours. And uh, lead us and share with us, all right? You, you're going to enjoy this. Man, he is nothing but a North Florida redneck that loves the Gators and, of course, loves Jesus and, and is an Ecuadorian. I kid him all the time about his his southern accent spanish which is a lot better than mine because i got zero (laughs) all right love you brother glad to have you here let's give him another welcome all right one more time well thank you so much for having me this morning i'm very humbled and honored to be here um you'll see i'm very challenged and dysfunctional and uh i'm not an eloquent speaker like your pastor is but uh But anyway, we love your church, we love the teams that have come down to work with us, and we love the relationship we have. And I was telling somebody this morning, man, this looks awesome. I would love to take this back to Ecuador, but that would be logistically impossible. And uh, man, our kids, if we set something up like that in these villages we work in, they would just, uh, they would go crazy. And so whoever did all this decorating has done a great job. And Brother Eric, man, I always enjoy the praise and worship. Thank you so much. And I don't say that all the time, trust me, but... I love the praise and worship, and again, uh, I'm so thankful to be here, and Pastor already mentioned I had to take Dina back Friday to the airport. We had some folks come in last night, and so pray for them as they're traveling this morning uh, through the southern Andes Andes Mountains um, for four hours back to where we live. Um, Just a little bit about us real quick for those of you who don't know us. Dina and I have been married for 35 years. We have a son, as already mentioned, that's 31, and we have a daughter who's 30. She's... um, She's an attorney in the Air Force and uh, lives out in Mississippi at this time. And we have a a grandbaby that's eight months old. And so uh, we're grateful that our children love the Lord and that they're serving the Lord. And it certainly makes it easier for us living uh, so far across the pond, as one may say. And uh, again, thank you so much. Well, this morning, if you have your copy of God's Word, whether it's written or on a tablet or an iPhone, and you're able to stand, would you stand with me as we read God's holy and 
infallible, inherent word. I'm going to be reading from Romans 10, uh, chapter 13 through 15. The first verse that I'm going to read is a verse that we are all very familiar with. But it's the next couple of verses that um, may be part of my focus. And uh, again, Romans 10, 13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not maybe, will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is what the Scriptures say. And that's literally what it says. That is what the Scriptures say. I didn't make that up. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for uh, Pastor Corey, Miss Penny. Thank you for, Lord, all of these believers and the ones that are here this morning. Lord, I just pray your blessings on each family, this church, their VBS that's coming up. God, I pray for these seniors that have just graduated. Have your will and way in their lives. And God, I just pray that they would seek you first. Lord, this morning I'm a simple, uneducated individual. And I just pray that you would help me say what you want to say. And God, may... When I get done saying whatever it is you want me to say, may I sit down and say no more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just want to ask you a couple of questions this morning, and you, don't have, you can answer them to yourself. But who can be saved? The Bible just told us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they be saved? They must believe in Him, or we must believe in Him. How can they believe? They have to hear. If you were born again this morning and you've come to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, someone told you, someone shared with you about the Lord. And how can they hear? Somebody has to tell them. And how do we tell them? We have to go tell them. Whether it's where we work, in our school, in our jobs, in the grocery store, in another country, we have to go tell them. For those of you that don't know much about Dina and I, I just want to back up a minute and I'll try not to bore you to tears, the ones that have heard our story, but 30 years ago, I went on my first short-term mission trip. A short-term mission trip is where you go somewhere for a week. It may be domestically or it may be internationally. Mine was international. And on the way back, the Lord began to deal with my heart about missions. And I came home and I told Dina about my experience, and I was so excited. The next year, she went on her first short-term mission trip. And when our children were small, we took turns going every year. I'd stay home one year, and she would go, and the next year we would reverse that role. When our kids got to be 11 and 12, we started taking them with us because we wanted them to understand the passion that we had. And we began to pray, God, please use us and don't refuse us. We really, in our hearts, were feeling a calling to missions. And for those of you sitting here this morning, you know God's timing is different than our timing. You know God's ways are different than our ways. God doesn't always do things the way we want them done in the timetable that, we, that we'd like to see them done. But at the end of the day, God is still God, and God knows what he's doing. And so, fast forward 21 years. It's 2010. And I was down in Ecuador, and Dina was with me. And, you know, every year we had started going on a missions trip. What we did in our personal lives, we've, if we got two weeks vacation, we set aside one week to go to a third world country and work. And we'd been to about 12 different countries over the years. But in 2010, Dean and I were down in Ecuador. We were by ourselves. Normally, we would have been leading a team. And it was on that trip that the Holy Spirit kind of spoke to me and said, now is the time. Now, listen, I've never seen God in person. I've never heard God speak audibly. But you know when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, you know it's the Lord. He nudges you. And I looked over at Dina and I said, Dina, I think the Lord is saying now is the time. Keep in mind, we've been praying 21 years, man. We really didn't think God wanted to use us. 
And we came back to Jacksonville, and really we lived in a little redneck town, two red light town called Callahan. And um, we worked in Jacksonville. And so, you know, we're just simple country folk. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm as simple as they come. We had cows in our backyard, and, and that's where we grew up. We came back to Callahan, and over the next year and a half, we began to sell everything that we owned. We resigned our jobs. We raised enough money to go to language school. Now, listen, I have to tell you this morning, I admire these seniors and these young people that are in school because I never liked school. And I found myself at 49 years old going back to school except to learn another language. And this morning, my English is bad and my Spanish is worse. And during that year of language school, it was a challenge. Because the deal was, is we just moved out of a 3,000-square-foot house with an in-ground pool and all that stuff into about a 700-square-foot apartment. And for those of you who know me a little bit, you know that I'm pretty wound up. Not because I want to be that way, that's just the way God made me, but I'm pretty wired all the time. And so we're living together in a 700-square-foot apartment, and whereas in the past my wife, she was a nurse in Jacksonville at Baptist Hospital, I was in the business world. And we saw each other a couple hours a day. And so we would get up in the morning, go to work, and spend a little bit of time when we had time together. But now we were together all the time. We slept together, ate together, went to school together, worked together. And you have no idea what it's like to live with me that much. <laughs> and it goes both ways, trust me. But we, we didn't know the language. We were in a different culture. We had no transportation. We had no church family like you have this morning. We rode a city bus everywhere we wanted to go. And it was a very challenge, but God got us through that year. In December of 2013, we moved down to Ecuador. The plan was I was going to work in an orphanage in the jungle, and Dina was going to be a volunteer missionary nurse in a hospital. There was an orphanage there, and we knew the lady, and we'd known her for several years. And she and I had talked over a two- or three-year period because she was always asking for an administrator. And that was about all I'd ever done in my life. And I felt that's where God was calling me. And she likewise felt like that God was wanting me to come and fulfill that position. And so that was the plan. My wife was going to be a volunteer nurse there in that hospital. Seemed like the perfect plan. I didn't wake up one morning and said, let's sell everything we own, quit our jobs, and go to language school and move to Ecuador. It wasn't an overnight decision. But just a few months before finishing language school, the lady at the orphanage let me know that she no longer needed me because while I was in language school, she found someone else to be the administrator. We found out a month or two before that that the hospital that had been there for 70 years, not seven, but seven zero, that they were closing that hospital. We're sitting down in the jungle of Ecuador. We're living in another missionary's house. It rains two feet a month there. Anything of any kind of material or leather or suede, grows mold and green stuff on it because there's so much moisture, so much rain. We're living in another missionary's house. They're home itinerating on furlough. It's two weeks before Christmas. My son is in the States. My daughter's in the States. I'm a crybaby because it's just a real emotional time. Everything that we had done had just fallen apart. We sold everything we owned. We quit our jobs. We went to language school for a year. And our, all of a sudden, we have nothing to do. And all those churches and all those people who had been praying for us and giving money to us and supporting us, all of a sudden, what was I going to tell them? Because things had fallen apart, but not to our fault. And folks, I want to just encourage you this morning and challenge you this morning that no matter what you're going through, at the end of the day, God is God. It doesn't matter what happens. And there's a verse in the Bible, in the book of Ecclesiastes, that says this, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And better are the patient in spirit than the proud. 
There's a verse over in Galatians 6, 9 that says all things work together. I mean, don't grow weary and well-doing, for in due season you reap if you faint not. In Romans 8, it says all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and serve Him and are called according to His purpose. And folks, I want to tell you this morning, if you're going through something, God's in control. God's in charge. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Love has a name. His name is Jesus. And He will not let you down. He will not fail you. He is a friend that sits closer than a brother. Listen, I'll let you down. Your friends will let you down. Your family will let you down. Your pastor will let you down. There is one that will never let you down, and his name is Jesus. So don't give up. Keep pressing on. Dina looked at me in December of 2013, and she said, let's pack our bags and go home. We can both get our jobs back. But we knew God had taken us to that place for a reason and a purpose. God took us from there to where we work now. Some of the people sitting here this morning have been there. If you've never been, I pray that if the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, that you come one day. But folks, sometimes God has to take us through one door to get us through the other door. And if we never have the faith to move to one door, He's never going to get us to the next door. And part of serving God and loving God and believing in Him is that trusting Him, having faith in Him, that He's, he's in charge. God took us from there to the Southern Andes Mountains where we work with about 1,000 children a month. We work in nine different villages. We go to these villages every week, week in and week out. Many of the missions trips I did years ago, going back 30 years, I remember going to some countries and the national or the missionary, he'd get three or 400 kids together. We'd work with them for a week. And now that I live on the field and I work around other missionaries, I wonder what happened when I left that week of working with all their children. Did anything ever happen? Because I look back on it now, and this is just my opinion, which isn't worth much, but I wonder if it was a dog and pony show. They knew the gringos were coming. That's what they call us, gringos and gringas. They knew the gringos were coming, so let's get a bunch of kids together and let's work with them for a week, but after that, nothing happened. But we go to the same villages every week, whether we have a team there or not. We work in nine villages. The villages that we work in, your people that have been can tell you, they're an hour and a half to two hours up in the mountains. These children live in areas where they grow what they eat. There are no grocery stores. The schools are over an hour away. We live at 9,000 feet of elevation. It's like the Blue Ridge Parkway or the mountains in North Carolina on steroids. Many of these children that come to what we do as a weekly VBS or Bible club program, and the little 8- and 10-year-old kids will bring their little siblings with them. Nobody makes them come. They come because they want to. They grow what they eat and what they don't eat. They, They... share with their neighbors or they trade. A lot of them have a cow, maybe two cows. They milk it at 4.30 in the morning and they milk it in the afternoon and what milk they don't drink, they sell or they barter. It's more of a matter of survival. They have no idea what it's like to go to a store and buy something for three or four days like you and I do here. Completely different culture. And the thing is, is that the children and the people that we work with, they're very poor, they live in mud huts, but you know what, they're not just monetarily poor. They're spiritually poor. Because the people that we work with, many of them are indigenous Quechua people. They're about that tall. But they're told from the time they come out of the womb that they don't need to read the Bible because a man will read the Bible to them. They're told they don't need to pray to God because they can go to a man and he will pray for them. And what we do is we go into these villages and we teach the children that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can read God's Word yourself. You can talk to God. God's way of talking to us is when we read his word. And I pray this morning that each of you spend a little bit of time every day talking to God. And that you spend a little bit of time reading his word because that's how he talks to us. 
And we, t- we never knock other religions. We just tell them that Jesus loves them, has a plan for their life. And what we do is we go there and we get all these kids together like we're gathered this morning and we play games with them. Soccer is a big deal, man. College, college football there is not that big of a deal, but soccer is just as big of a deal for those folks. We play games with them and we, we teach them a Bible lesson. And if we have a team there, like the team that comes from your church, we give them the opportunity to teach the Bible lesson. We sing songs with them. We do a little craft with them, which means getting on the ground and maybe coloring or gluing or pasting or something to that effect. And on that little craft, we put a memory verse for them to take home. And if they come back the next week and they know that memory verse, we give them a little 25-cent Oriental Trading Post toy. And man, you'd have thought you just gave them an Xbox or a PlayStation. They're so excited. Just a few months ago, I think I mentioned we have about 1,000 kids a month, 200, 250 a week. Just a few months ago, we had 229 kids, and 180 of them knew their memory verse. Think about that. I wake up some mornings, and I look in the mirror, and I'm brushing my teeth, and I, I ask myself, what in the world am I doing here? It's not always easy. And I think about these little children memorizing God's Word. And I think, man, if we don't do anything else but teach them to memorize this book, they have a hope. They have a hope. And folks, you know what? It's not just about... I heard a missionary say one time, missions is not simply crossing the sea but seeing the cross. Think about that for a minute. Missions is not simply crossing the sea but seeing the cross. We have a mission field right here where we live. When I come back home, we've been homeless the last few years. We stay in a mission house over in Fernandina Beach, which is... I don't know, I'm geographically challenged, I guess, north of Jacksonville. And I think to myself sometimes, really, do I even know the people's names that live next door to me? Do I even know the people's names across the street from me? And so even right here, we have an opportunity to share a story with folks that we come across and in contact with that Jesus loves them and cares about them. And you know what? It's not about beating people up with religion because religion is garbage. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just like we have a relationship with our brothers and sisters and our mothers and our fathers, our family, our friends. Just like we have a relationship with people sitting next to you this morning. And you know what? We all have a story to tell. My dad died when I was 10 years old. I grew up very insecure. I remember we lived in a single wide trailer and it had a big tree up against it. And those limbs would brush up against that trailer. And I was so scared at night that somebody was trying to break in and really all it was was the brushes of the limbs up against the trailer. But I was so insecure. I was so scared. I didn't go to sleep at night without a light being on. My mother was married five or six times. And you know what? I can relate to people that have gone through what I've gone through. I can't relate to anyone that's been a drug addict. I can't relate to anybody that's been an alcoholic because I've never been there. But we all have a story to tell. We all come from a different walk of life. And all we have to do is share our story because you see there are people in the world that have a big hole in their heart. And they're looking for something to fill that hole in that void, that emptiness. And what they're looking for is Jesus, that friend that will never leave us or forsake us. Because you see, we typically look to the world to fulfill that hole. And the things the world has to offer will not last. They'll be okay for a little while, but then we're going to have that hole again. And so we all have a story to tell, whether it's at home, in our schools. And you know what? We all come across people that others in this room this morning are not going to come across. I'm going to come across people you are not. You're going to come across people I'm not. So we all have a story to tell. So 
I just encourage you this morning to think about missions is not simply crossing the sea, but seeing the cross. Thank you, sister. I got a bottle of water out there. I just forgot I got it. I want to show you a little video. It's about three minutes long. We put a little video together every year after we uh, get done with that year. Now, what's interesting about this video is some of your people from your church are in that video. So if you look close, you'll see them. And, um, but you're going to see a little boy, five years old, saying his memory verse. If you know Spanish, you'll know if he's saying it right or not. You're going to see some of the villages we work in, some of the children we work with, and some of the things we do. Like I say, if I didn't say it already, many of these children will walk over an hour to come to these Bible clubs at 9,000 feet in the mountains. And so you'll see some of those mountains. And uh, brother, if you can get that video ready, after that shows, I'm going to come up and just share a little bit more. And then I'll, I'll close that one. So that gives you a little visual of the picture I'm trying to paint. One of the villages that we go to on Wednesday is about two hours away. And up there in this particular village, there, within 30 minutes, there are 13 other villages and there's no evangelical church. Just think about where we're sitting this morning and think of a 10-mile radius and how many churches there are. And in this village up in the mountains of Ecuador, there are 13 other villages within 30 minutes and there's no evangelical church like we're sitting in this morning. So a lot of the children don't get a chance to go to church. The only church they get, the only understanding of the Bible, the only understanding of Jesus they get is what we bring them on a weekly basis. A couple years ago, we do this project almost every year now. We don't do a lot of things in giving the people monetarily things because we never want them to become dependent on us. We want them to understand and learn to depend on Jesus just like each one of us do in our lives. And so, but we do do a few things, humanitarian aid from a Christian perspective. And one of those things that we do, and your church has helped us with this in the past, is every year before the children go back to school, we give them a backpack with everything they need to go back to school with. And in the backpack, with everything in it, we've got about $15. Included in that backpack is a full Spanish Bible. Keep in mind, many of the children don't have a Bible in their home. Because if you've been told all your life you don't need to read the Bible, why do you need a Bible in your home? But we put a full Bible in there. And I remember sometime back, we were going and getting ready to pass out the backpacks and Again, we are in this villages every week. We know how many children come. We, we know who they are. And on this particular day, Thursdays, we go to two villages. Most of the time, we only go to one because of logistical challenges. And in these, back, these backpacks, we put them in these big black duffel bags that we get from Walmart. And you can put 20 backpacks in one of these black duffel bags. You cannot get 21 in there. I know that because I pack them. And I can count the 20. I can't count much higher than that. And so on this particular day, I packed enough backpacks and took enough duffel bags for every kid. And I even took a few extra because if you've ever planned an event, you know how that goes. And so I had five of these duffel bags, and let's just say there were 20 in there. I had 100. I don't remember the exact number. And we took off to our first village. <clears throat> and when we got to the first village that day, there were more kids there than normal. Now listen, we never tell them we're giving something away. Because the whole country will come, including Peru and Colombia. <laughs> but there were more kids there that day. So we went through our normal routine. We taught the Bible lesson. We sang songs. We gave them cookies and Kool-Aid. We played games. We did the memory verse. And at the end, we called out each one of them's names. And they come down one at a time, and we give them a backpack. And folks, I'm telling you, these kids are so excited, they begin to rip open 
the backpack, and they pull out the little 24-pack of colored crayons. And, man, you, just, you would think it's Christmas Day and that you gave them a new F-150. I'm telling you, they're so excited over a $15 backpack. And not only that, but where they live is there's no stores. Like I said, the mother, if, big if, she has the monetary means to buy the things in the backpack and the backpack, she has to get on a bus early in the morning and go to the city, which could be an hour, hour and a half away, stay there all day, and take the bus back at night because the bus only goes once in the morning and once at night. So the mothers are just as happy as the children because they don't have to go through all that. So we finished that club and we went to the next club. And when we got to the next club, you guessed it, there's more kids there than normal. And so when we get an opportunity, we meet in a local church because we want to work with and through the local church. That's not always the case as the the villages I described a minute ago. But in these two villages, there's a small Baptist church. A little pastor there, his name is Juan Loja. He's a little Quechua guy. They're all about this tall. And we knew there were more children than we had backpacks. And so I went to Pastor Juan and I said, Pastor, we have a problem. And since you're the pastor, I'm going to let you fix it. I said, we have two options. I said, we don't have enough backpacks for all the children here today. Now listen, the children are very smart. And the pastor is smart. He could see there were more kids there than normal. And so I said, we have two options. Option number one is we give the children that come on a regular basis a backpack. We explain to the children that are there for the first time visiting that we're going to give them a backpack, but they're not going to get a backpack today because we don't have enough. Or option number two is we don't give anybody a backpack. We explain to the children, hey, we don't have enough backpacks. You're going to get a backpack. You're just not going to get it today. But when we come back, we'll bring enough backpacks for everybody. So the pastor decided that he would tell the children that the ones that come on a regular basis as a reward for coming every week, they're going to get a backpack today. And then he told the other children visiting for the first time, if you keep coming, we're going to give you a backpack. You're not going to be left out, but you're not going to get it today. So we did again what we always do. We sang songs, we played games, we did the craft, we did the Bible lesson, we did cookies and Kool-Aid, and we did all of that. And at the at the end, my wife, Dina, was standing down to my right, and she began to call out the names of the children. And again, they come down one at a time. We give them a backpack. They're all excited. And when she got through the list of names, she started calling out the names of the children that were there for the first time. And she called out about five names, and she looked at me, and she said, Gary, do we still have backpacks? And I said, yes. She called out a few more names, looked at me a second time, and said, Gary, do we still have backpacks? I said, yes. She looked at me a third time, and if you're a man like I am, I finally said, don't ask me that anymore, just call the names out. And folks, listen, I don't believe in coincidences. I don't know how or what you believe, but I don't believe in coincidences. And I don't understand this morning how you turn a switch on and those lights come on, and you flip it down and they go off, or vice versa. I don't understand how I can talk to my family from 2,000 miles across the ocean on video chat or FaceTime or whatever it is. I don't understand how that works because there's no lines going across the pond, but it works. And I don't know how it happened, but at the end of the day that day, we had enough backpacks for every child. God had somehow, however he does what he does, multiplied the backpacks. What's even more ironic than that is a few weeks before that, we had a team there, and that team taught about the fishes and the loaves. Do you remember that story? Jesus was, went up on the mountainside, and I think he was going up there to get some rest, and the, the crowd's following. And he got up there, and he began to teach them, and he looked at the disciples, and he said, Hey, 
give these people something to eat. They're hungry. And the disciples looked at Jesus and they said, what do you want us to do? We don't have any food. And there was a lad there with a few fishes and a few loaves. And Jesus took those fishes and loaves and he blessed them and they passed them out. And when they got done, they had leftovers. I don't know how that happened, but it's what the book says, the Bible. And at the end of that day, we got up and we explained to the children, hey, before we started today, we explained to you we didn't have enough backpacks. But somehow God has done a miracle. Just like that story a few weeks ago that we taught you about how God multiplied the fishes and the loaves. He's multiplied these backpacks so that everyone that is here today can get one. Well, a few weeks later, we did not have a team there. And I've already told you that we go to these villages whether a team is there or not. And when we don't have a team there, we take turns teaching. You, you saw three Ecuadorians in that video. They work with us full time. We've always believed in every country. It doesn't matter where we work or where we go. The nationals can reach their people better than we can. They speak the language better. They understand the culture better. And uh, it's their people. So we have three Ecuadorians that work with us all the time. So when we don't have a team there, we take turns teaching. Well, one of our little Ecuadorians was teaching about three weeks later, and she was talking about praying to God and talking to God and asking God to meet our needs. Again, that's foreign to the children we work with. And at the end of her lesson that day, she asked the children, hey, do any of you have a prayer request? And there was a little girl over to the left, and she had her little siblings with her. And she raised her hand. In the culture we live in, very seldom do they raise their hand and ask a question or ask for prayer. They're very introverted. But this little girl raised her hand, and she said, Would you please pray for my mother and my brothers and sisters? Our father has left us, and we don't have any food. We admonished her for being so brave in front of all her peers to raise her hand and to ask a question like that. And then we told all the children we are going to pray together with her that God will help her family. After the lesson that day, I went to the little pastor, and I asked him, I said, Is what this little girl said true? Because a lot of times where we work and live, they don't always tell the truth. And he said, yes, that's a valid story. Dina and I did what most of you would do. We went back to the city where we lived an hour and 15 minutes away. And we bought some rice and some noodles and tuna fish and all the things that they eat. And we took it back to the pastor. And we gave it to him and we said, listen, bless this family. And use it as a way to reach out from your church. And to invite that family into your church. Because again, a lot of the people that come to our Bible clubs, the children or their mothers don't go to church. It's just one testimony, one story of how God is working in Ecuador. I just want to challenge you this morning as I wrap this up that God is not looking for your ability but your availability. You see, in my life, I never finished high school. I'm not as fortunate as these young people this morning. I hated school, to be quite honest with you. Didn't like school and didn't finish. I never went to college, never pastored a church, never been on staff at a church. Dina and I are what you call independent missionaries. We raise 100% of our support. We're not funded by any mission organization. The reason being is most mission organizations I was not a candidate for because I'd never gone to college and never pastored a church. But we knew God had called us. And I'm telling you that story this morning for this reason. If God's nudging your heart to do something in this church or for Him, He doesn't need your ability. What He needs is your availability. So if God's been pricking your heart about doing something and you've been giving him an excuse, it's unacceptable. Because he'll give you the ability to do what you don't think you have the ability to do. Folks, I never dreamed in my life I'd be crawling around in the dirt, coloring, gluing, pasting with children in a third world country of South America. 
But that's where God's got me. And so whatever God's speaking to your heart to do, let it go. Let him use you. He will use you. And you all have a gift. Real quick, I'm going to wrap this up. Back in the back, there's a table, and there's some brochures that look just like this. Inside the brochure, because if you pick it up and drop it, there's a little magnet. And if you don't have one of these, many of you do, if you don't have this little magnet, would you just take it, put it on your refrigerator, or put it on your gas tank cap? That's where you go a lot. Get gas into the refrigerator. And just remember to pray for us. Um, Prayers are so meaningful for us. Obviously, we need money, too, because... Just like you and your family or this church, we can't pay bills or do ministry without money. We also send a newsletter out uh, once a quarter. We promise not to bombard you with mail, but we mail it as well as email it because email doesn't always work. But if you want to get this newsletter, and some of you are. Some back there this morning was telling me, hey, I'm getting your newsletter. It tells you how to pray for us. It tells you what we're doing. Just fill this card out and leave it on the table. And uh, in the brochure... If the Holy Spirit, your church helps us. Let me stop right there and say your church supports us and helps us. And we could not be doing what we're doing, folks, in Ecuador without people like your church and without some of you individuals that help us. 78% of our support comes from individuals. 22% comes from churches. If it all dried up tomorrow, I'd move back to Jacksonville and get a job. Dina would go back to being a nurse. So we can't do it without folks helping us. But if the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart to help us in some way, no gift is too small. Everything's tax deductible. There's ways to do that in this brochure. The other thing is, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart about coming to Ecuador, your team, your church is coming next year, get with your pastor, get with Miss Penny, and be obedient to the Lord. Listen, I had a group a few months ago from Alabama. Every team member was in their 70s. I got a lady that got there last night. She's 85 years old. She comes every year almost for two weeks. So age is not an excuse. If the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, and I realize that's not for everybody, but if the Lord speaking to your heart, again, don't make an excuse. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Brother Eric, I hadn't planned on doing this, but man, could you? I just would like to. Could you come and help me? I just want to. You may have had a closing hymn to do, but this morning I want to ask you a question. As he's coming, I want you to think about this for a minute. If you died in your sleep tonight, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Listen, I'm asking as a matter of fact, not I think so, I hope so, maybe so. I'm saying if you died in your sleep tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? You see, the gift of salvation is free. We can't buy it, win it, earn it, work for it. We can only accept it or receive it. We can accept it or reject it. You see, becoming a Christian is very easy. I didn't say living a Christian life is easy. It's hard. But becoming a Christian is easy. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart, we shall be saved. And this morning, before you leave here, folks, I can pull out on this road right here. And I can be T-boned and killed. Life is a vapor. We're not promised tomorrow. That's what the book says in James. So if you don't know for sure, don't let the... There's a war going on right now in the, in the heavens. And there's this dude called the devil. And then there's Jesus. And they're at war with each other because Jesus loves you. He died for you. He paid our sin debt. There's a devil this morning does not want you to give your life to Christ. If we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. Brother, could we just, that song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Am I putting you on the spot doing that? Okay, look, if you could just come along with me. Just close your eyes. I want you to just sing this to the Lord. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. 
I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am yielded, waiting and still. Amen, Pastor. Thank you so much, brother. Let me just mention one more thing real quick as you come. Well, I'll mention it after you get done, Pastor. One thing I love about Gary Pate is that he's going to preach Jesus and he's going to share his heart, right? I mean, what we heard is miraculous today. And I've heard his story many, many times. And every time he comes, I'm like, tell your story again. And I learn something every time. God just challenges me every time. And I hope maybe that's happened for you today. So what we're going to do is we're going to do two things here during our invitation. I'm going to invite you to do what Brother Gary just laid out for you. If you have never given your heart to Christ, man, let's nail it down today. Let's get it right today. And if you have, and you're not being obedient to Him in, in whatever it is in your heart and life, it, for you it may not be to go on a short-term mission trip. But it may be something else. I'll tell you what it is for me. All right? Though our church supports Brother Gary and, and Sister Dina, Penny and I have not supported them financially, personally. And God has been dealing with us about that. We had to get a couple of things taken care of. But we're in a position where we can start doing that. And like he said, no gift is insignificant. And maybe God is dealing with you about helping them. Notice what he said. Only 22% of their support comes from churches. The other comes from individuals and from families. And without that, they'd have, to, they'd have to come home. I've laid eyes on what they do three times. I've put my hands on what they do three different times. It's humbling to see what God is up to. They don't need us to come, to be honest with you, in, in a... In a sense, they're going to keep doing the work. But it's important that we go because we can help them. And we can be a part of what God's doing. And somebody might ask, why Ecuador? Ecuador? Why not Brazil? Why not some other place? Because God's opened up a door and we have a connection there, right? And God is doing a work through them. And what he said is significant. Don't miss this. When he talked about the dog and pony show. A lot of times you go on short-term mission trips and you go do this and then you leave and nothing else happens. They're there every week and they have a ministry with those kids. And that's why I believe in what they're doing so much and believe that it's important for us to support. So I'm going to ask you to obey God in whatever He says for you to do. And then the second thing, I'm going to ask Brother Gary if he would. Brother Gary, come on, stand right here. I'm going to ask him to do this. And if some of you would like to come and gather around him and pray for him he leaves on monday tomorrow to go back um and boy they you know they've got a long summer ahead of us of work and service um ahead of them and i'm going to ask that we pray for them and pray for him during the times where he gets discouraged or frustrated or the enemy comes to get after he and dina to be stressed out over each other they're two different personalities just like you and your spouse right <laughs> and we need to pray over them and pray for them so 
I'll be standing over here if you want to give your heart to Christ. You come. I'm going to ask some if you would gather around Brother Gary and maybe one of you take the lead to pray over him. Lay hands on him and pray for him. Let's stand together, everybody. And then, if God's leading you to do something, why don't you do what God says and come to this altar and Brother Eric is going to lead us, all right? You come at this time.